Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Bible Wire. In these podcasts, we discuss what the Bible says, line upon line and precept upon precept. Today, Ben Allen will be continuing our study on the book of Acts. Settle in for the next few minutes and learn more about who God is and how he loves. Hi, everyone. This is my last episode of six. Next up is our beloved brother, Tom Brennan, picking up in chapter 11. So let's finish off chapter 10 today. This is verses 30 through 48. I'm going to read again out of the ESV. And Cornelius said four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms has been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I went for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God appointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him All the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was pouring out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who, had, uh, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. End quote. 
All right, so Cornelius recounts the last few days in a quick succession. He describes his visitation with what seems to be an angel taking human form in bright clothing. Cornelius shows God, again, God moving in people even before the full revelation of his good news taking place. I think it's important to remark here that even at times before we were saved, we can look back and see how God would bring messenger after messenger into our lives to bring us to a full saving faith is uh, we do see here in Cornelius's conversion. In verses 34 to 35, two personal notes as Paul taught the Romans in Romans 2.11, for God shows no partiality. So now Peter saying this, affirms the common understanding of the character of God. Secondly, if you remember from the sermon I spoke on the fear of the Lord, we remember that fearing God, fearing the Lord, is a stock biblical phrase for believing in God. This is Peter's fourth message in Acts. And in Peterson's commentary, we read that, quote, a key text on this theme is Deuteronomy 10, 17 through 19. Although God gave a special status and role to Israel, Exodus 19, 5 through 6, he declared his intentions to bless the nations through his chosen people. We see that happening in various ways as some were brought into the sphere of Israelite life. And others were blessed by God without joining that community. For example, 1 Kings 10 through 1 13, 2 Kings 5, 1 through 15, Jonah 3. Job is a foreigner who is described in terms very similar to those used of Cornelius. He was blameless and upright because he feared God and shunned evil. Job 1, 1, 1, 8, 2, 3. Cornelius was acceptable to God because of a God-given faith which found practical expression in godly living. This was his response to the revelation of God conveyed to him by believing Israelites, not simply the result of his reflections on God, but from the created order. Nevertheless, as a believer in the God of special revelation, he was, or excuse me, he still needed to hear the gospel and trust in Jesus as the Messiah to experience the blessings of the new covenant, end quote. So this further compounds our view that coming to Christ is the exclusive means of salvation in life. Following Peter's past messages, this section follows the same pattern as those who had come before. But now, in an increasing manner, Peter assumes prior knowledge of Cornelius about the gospel being preached. And what's interesting is the way in which Luke is about... uh, the to bring about the geographical proximity of Jesus's ministry, Peter brings specific opposition to Jesus's ministry and work. The the anointing with the Holy Spirit and power testified to his messianic status and role. In verses thirty nine through forty, Peter now inserts himself into this familiar role in salvation history. He's describing this in familiar terms. And as in 530, the the unusual expression by hanging him on a tree is apparently used to stress both the shameful nature of Jesus' death and its penal character. We see, you know, in various places, 
Deuteronomy 21, 22 through 23, Acts 13, 29, Galatians 3, 13 through 14, 1 Peter 2, 24. These are all references to anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed, or let him be accursed. And only here and in 1 Corinthians mentions the resurrection happening on the third day. The people mentioned in verse 42 refer to the people of Israel because God's promises to his covenant people in Scripture. The witnesses proclaimed the same Jesus whom they knew in his earthly ministry as the resurrected Savior, but also as the one designated by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And so apart from 1731, this is the most explicit statement in Acts about Jesus' role as universal judge. And so, uh, in fairness, it, it can be implied in the second chapter, third chapter, seventh chapter, um, but he will fulfill the divine role of judging humanity on the day of the Lord, as predicted in many Old Testament prophecies. This is the most explicit. Uh, while Peter didn't specify which prophet he spoke of, um, there are specific passages that address the forgiveness of sins, like in Isaiah 33, 24, 55, 6 through 7, as well as Jeremiah 31, 34, and Ezekiel 36, 25, which showcase this point. Um, in the final five verses, we are suddenly now zoomed out of Peter's speech and focused now on the recipients of the message. With this coming of the Spirit, those previously regarded as unclean, have been granted a share in the holy. Luke highlights the initiative of God here again in a way that is reminiscent of Pentecost. Though it is important also to note the differences in, some situ- in, in these two situations, um, by this means Luke indicates that the gift of the Spirit to Cornelius' household is the spirit of prophecy, promised by Joel and fulfilled through the Christ event at Pentecost. Cornelius and his household had not yet openly professed faith in Jesus as Lord and Christ, but the Spirit enabled them to respond appropriately to the gospel. They experienced the benefits of Jesus' saving work and articulated their responses to him in tongues with praise. And then in baptism... um, So in this way, it's shown that Gentiles belong to the renewed people of God, not just those that are Jewish, and on the same basis as believing Israelites through Christ alone. And so as with Jewish believers, the Gentile believers too were baptized. Peter remained with them some days, meant eating with them, realizing the ultimate purpose of what God did all along in this conversion story. It was the reality of the, their common participation in Christ and the benefits of his saving work being expressed in the novelty of table fellowship. I'm going to end this episode with one final uh, quote from Peterson. He says, This narrative makes a significant turning point in Luke's story of the gospel progress. It shows how God provided a way for Jewish believers like Peter to preach Gentiles and welcome them into the Messianic community on the same basis of faith in the Lord Jesus. 
It also reveals something about the interpretation of Scripture in light of this development. Readers from every cultural and religious background can be grateful for the way in which God prepared from the beginning for believers to be all one in Christ Jesus. He did this by making peace through the blood of Christ, removing ancient barriers and creating one new humanity in Christ. However, the challenge remains in every local context to express the reality of that fellowship by abandoning every form of prejudice and adopting habits such as sharing food and hospitality, which practically demonstrate the unity which the New Testament proclaims. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next time with Tom. Bye-bye. We have reached the end of today's Bible Wire podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, or if you'd like more resources related to this podcast, you can find us online at www.zionfellowship.net. We're also available on social media. Look for Zion Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today on Bible Wire.